Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 379. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Jamie, a.k.a. Agent Ugh. Yeah, you got the sickness. I've got the office cold, yo. Jamie, are you down with the sickness? I am down with the sickness and almost just down with sickness in general. Indeed. It's uh, not a bad one, though. I'm fine. Yes. No, you're, you're, you're here, you're up, and you're about. But... This week in Marvel, we talk about all the cool stuff that's going on. We've got interviews. We've got cool bits of info. Lots to get to this episode. It's so much that we have two top news gloriousnesses to talk about. It's so glorious. We can barely bring ourselves to say the word. Exactly. (laughs) First things first, got to talk about Marvel Studios' Black Panther coming back to theaters to celebrate Black History Month for a one-week engagement starting Today, the day this episode drops, February 1st through February 7th at 250 participating AMC theater locations. And as the press release continues, it is, quote, to ensure that the movie is accessible to all, tickets are free for everyone, and there will be two showings per day at each participating theater. And as we told you last week, the film was nominated for seven Academy Awards. Woo! And recently won nice. the Screen Actors Guild Outstanding Performance by a Cast and a Motion Picture Award. Woo! For free tickets to the Marvel Studios Black Panther showings and a list of AMC participating theaters, go to weticketit.com slash Black Panther. That is W-E-T-I-C-K-E-T-I-T dot com slash Black Panther. That link we'll make sure is in our show notes on the news article for this episode as well as uh, any news stories we have about these showings. It's really cool, though. It's that's a great way to start off February. And our second hit of top news is about something I am very passionate about running. This year is the fourth annual Run Disney virtual series, and they are joining us in celebrating Marvel's 80th anniversary. And I'm super delighted that we're also able to announce the full suite of Marvel runs in the 2019 Run Disney virtual series. There are three, count them three Marvel themed 5Ks, each with their own awesome medal. One each month, June through August 2019. And you could do any of them, or you could be like me and do all three to earn that super sweet bonus challenge medal. Now, we're kicking things off June 1st when the events start with June's Captain Marvel 5K, which means you're going to get a Captain Marvel medal if you do this. In July... Is it star-shaped? I can't tell you. I've seen it. I can't tell you. In July, the Run Disney Virtual Series race will be an Iron Man-themed 5K. Very cool. And in August, we wrap things up with a Black Panther Virtual 5K. So the events run from June 1st to August 31st this year. And here's a super, super key date for everyone to remember. Registration begins May 7th, 2019 at 10 a.m. Eastern at RunDisney.com. So... Important dates to remember, you know, you start in June, go through August, but May 7th, 2019 is when you can sign up as someone who has run many run Disney races. You want to get in there right away, be a part of the action, sign up immediately. Uh, We'll also have all this info up on Marvel.com so you can make sure you have all those details, have the links, everything you need. And Jamie, the beauty of a virtual run is that you can do this however and wherever you want. You can run it. You can walk it. You can jog it. You can go on a treadmill. You could do it with a group. You can run with a baby. You can take your dog for a jaunt. You can do whatever. 
And the, the wheels are turning in your head. The wheels are turning in my head. I like the idea of doing this virtually and around no people. and with, Which is fine. You with, can totally yeah. do that. But uh, yeah, it's really cool that you could still participate in a 5K without having to actually go to a 5K, which I think is a little intimidating as someone who does not like to run voluntarily. It's totally okay. <laughs> and if you don't run, don't worry. Believe me, you can do this. I had no ability to practically walk a couple of years ago and I did like training things. You could do a couch to 5K. You, there's a million ways to do this kind of thing or you you can even walk it. It's all part of this and you, you're doing it with other people. You get inspired. Trust me, it's really fun. In addition to the metal or medals, if you go for the whole route, participants will receive digital race bibs, finisher certificates. For those who participate in all three for that challenge, there is a special commemorative item. Ooh. This is just the beginning, though. We're, we're going to have more news and images of the medals and all the reveals and all kinds of good stuff in the weeks and months to come. But I, I want you all to do this. I want to tell me if you're going to do it. We'll give each other inspiration and excitement. If you've never done this, I want to help you. Let's do this together. Do it. Ryan runs a lot. I run so I can eat. <laughs> yes. Like the Why more I, I run, out. the more I'm okay with eating. Yeah. And that makes me happy. It brings oh, joy. Also, like the more I work out, the less my back hurts. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so those are our big top news blasts. But uh, for the rest of the show, we've got some really fun stuff. We are talking War of the Realms for our big talk primer this episode. Uh, I sat down with editor Will Moss to get y'all caught up on the War of the Realms, the massive event hitting Marvel Comics this April. And we also have a video version of that chat that's a little bit different that you should also check out. War of the Realms is really shaping up to be very metal. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? It's Oh, yeah. It's like... Marvel metal, which is so righteous. Yeah, but it's like it's not like faux metal. It is like no, like Ronnie James Dio coming down, like getting on Jason Aaron's shoulders and singing beautifully. Oh, I miss mm. him. Anyway, uh, we got to keep moving because our interview this week is going to be with Patty Murin, who plays Anna in the Broadway production of Frozen. She is awesome, and I love Broadway. And we talk about the Puppy Bowl. I'm leaving it that. <gasps> yeah. Oh no. Okay. Yep. There we go. Sorry. Uh, but now it's on to things we're hyped about this week, comma, including news. Our first item is about Marvel's Daredevil on Netflix. It won the Golden Tomato Award for Best Superhero TV Show and is certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes with a 96% on the tomato meter. Fans voted it the first ever Golden Tomato Awards Fans' Choice winner for Favorite TV Show of 2018, tallying the biggest total from more than 19,000 votes cast. It's amazing. That's a lot of votes and a lot of people really liking our Maddie Murdock. Heck yeah. Uh, but we've still got more TV stuff that we're hyped about because there's a new teaser for Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 6, and it is called Coulson is Dead. Wait, but I, I'm le- looking for a little clarity on this. Coulson, is he still alive? Dead. Maybe just a little bit dead. Coulson is dead. Can he be a little bit alive still? Coulson is dead. And this teaser gives us a glimpse into all that's coming this season, which returns this summer on ABC. But this teaser... Well, boy, if you missed it, we're going to link it. It is real cool. Lots more to come as we get closer to the start of the season. Indeed. Also in Marvel Spider-Man exclusively for PlayStation 4, this week's free update, which was patch 1.14, celebrates Spidey's history with the Fantastic Four with the arrival of the bombastic Bagman suit and the Future Foundation suit, both of which you can see right now on Marvel.com. This article, by the way, is by our extraordinary editor, Christine Din, and she also gives you a little 
background on Spidey's history with Marvel's first family. Yeah, the article's cool. You can read the comics that inspired this, links to those, which is Amazing Spider-Man 258, Fantastic Four 579. Those are cool. And we tease this, I tease this, during the uh, Fantastic Four World's Greatest Week live stream that we did. So for those of you who are wondering what it was that we were teasing, this is it. It's really neat. The costumes look gorgeous. They look very, very cool. And it's not just World's Greatest Week. We're still rolling in World's Greatest Month. Heck yeah, forever. Forever. Uh, Also this week, Darcy Carden, who plays Janet on The Good Place, is on the latest episode of Women in Marvel with Jumpin' Judy Stevens. And (laughs) Darcy is so funny. (laughs) She is incredible. Improv genius. Improv genius. And she's just... I mean, I, I love having comedians on, and I especially love having improv comedians on because we get to play. We get to play and riff a little bit. It's Indeed. super fun. And speaking of awesome women of Marvel, I uh, got to give a shout out to our very own Lorraine Sink, who wrote the Marvel Powers of a Girl, which also has art by Alice X. Zhang. And I uh, just want to make sure you guys know it is available for pre-order right now and comes out February 5th. So it's just a couple days away from when you guys are likely listening to this. It's doing gangbusters on the Amazons and everywhere else that books are sold, but we want it to do even better. So go pre-order the book now. We are going to have Lorraine on real soon uh, to talk a little bit about the book, but it's cool. It's, it's about 65 Marvel women uh, and, and has really cool stories and really fun stuff. It's empowering and fantastic, and you should definitely check it out. You can pre-order it now on Amazon or find it at books.disney.com slash books slash powers dash of dash a dash girl. You're not going to remember that, so we'll make sure to link that in the news article. Uh, but yeah, go pre-order it now. Uh, so We're going to have two big 80th anniversary updates coming for you right now, which is going to lead us to a new section in a second. But first, our TWIM URC, aka This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club for February, will be focused on the 1950s. And we're going with a Tales of the 50s theme. Uh, So the books that C.B. Cebulski, Marvel Comics Editor-in-Chief, and I will talk about are Tales of Suspense, number one, Tales to Astonish, number one. Tales of Suspense, number nine, and Tales to Astonish, also number nine. I chose them because those are the first number ones of those respective series and the last issues that come out in the 50s, and they are awesome. Lots of Kirby, lots of Ditko, lots for CB and I to talk about. So we'll have that list put up on Marvel Unlimited app for you real soon. We'll link out to the books in our Marvel.com news article for this episode as well. And I want you guys who are listening to join in on the conversation with CB and I. I know a bunch of you did, but I want everybody to do it. So tweet your questions and your thoughts about these comics with hashtag TwimURC. Okay, that leads us to a brand new section for the show, which is going to be This Week in Marvel History. Ah, welcome to the 80th, folks. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to start doing this every week. We've got a great database of stuff that's happened all throughout our 80th history. Literally every day. Yeah, there's stuff. And so what we're going to do is is pull choice things, not everything. And this, I want to be very clear, this is inspired by a podcast that I love called 302010, which looks back at stuff in pop culture 30, 20, and 10 years ago. And I asked... Brett Elston, who is a friend, he created that show. I said, hey, I'm thinking of doing something like that that riffs off of 302010 for Marvel. Would you be cool with that? He said, yes, 100%. He would love that. So just give him credit where credit's due. And he was cool with it. So off we go. What we're going to do is pull out these key dates from the database. You know, it's going to be births, deaths, 
debuts of characters or issues, special releases, movie releases, television, all kinds of stuff, because it's going to run the gamut of 80 years. But we're going to look at a particular week. So basically starting from the Friday release of our episode through the Thursday, so a full seven days. Though if you do want to know what happens on a daily basis, you can follow our social media channels for Marvel, and they're posting this day in Marvel history every day. So There you go. There you go. That's yeah. all taken care of for you. I love it. Uh, so some of the stuff I pulled from the database for the week of February 1st through the 7th, we have February 5th, 1944. The first live-action Marvel adaptation debuted, which was the Captain America movie series. Love it. It's wild. It's like so Like five crazy. years into things, and boom, we're off and running. Making movies. Making yeah. moving pictures. Yeah. Then, 70 years later. It was actually 70 years later to the day. Well, was does that mean that this previous item was trapped in ice oh. and then thawed out 70 mm. years later? Kind of. Okay. Uh, 70 years later, on February 5th, 2014, we saw the debut of Ms. Marvel, a.k.a. Kamala Khan, with the release of Ms. Marvel Number 1 by G. Willow Wilson, Adrian Alfona, and Ian Herring. Beautiful cover by Sarah Kelly. Like, iconic cover now. We look at it, and it's just wild. And this is now, gosh, is it five years? It's five years. It's like five years for her, seven years for Miles. These, mm. I can't imagine Marvel without them at this point. So, so now we have uh, Ms. Marvel. That is February 5th, 2014. And last, but definitely not least, on February 6th, 1994, Marvel and the world lost Jack Kirby, who passed away from heart failure at the age of 76. He is my all-time favorite artist, and in my humble opinion, the greatest creator in comic book history. I don't know. I was reading, I was going through the list, and I just got hit. Mm. By it. It was just, uh, he was 76. Whew. Ah. Anyway, that's our first entry into This Week in Marvel History. We're going to do more, give more context, more fun stuff throughout the year. But I'm going to give a big thanks to Rebecca Childs, Eric Goldman, and TJ Deach for helping to compile our history data. I'm going to start throwing a lot more info onto that list. That's going to grow and grow and grow as we go from week to week. It's a really comprehensive list. A lot of love and tears and blood and sweat and work went into it. So thank you so much, guys. The effort is not going unseen. Exactly. And before we leave the 80th anniversary for the week, I'm going to tell everyone to go ahead and continue the celebration on marvel.com slash marvel80, which is our 80th anniversary landing page, up and running with all the Marvel 80th content you would ever want to see. Yeah. All right. So that wraps up our hype section. Uh, but before we continue on to the big parts of the show, I want to make sure you guys know that the top books from this week's episode of Marvel's Pull List are Age of X-Men Alpha Number 1, Dead Man Logan number three, Exiles number 12, and X-Force number two. Some really terrific books in there. You can subscribe to Marvel's Pull List wherever you get your podcasts, watch a video version of the show on marvel.com, and learn about all the books that come out this week. And speaking of comic books, it's time for our big talk part of the show where we discuss War of the Realms. That's my... That's pretty good. Thank you. Yeah, it's real good. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we're going to get into it. Uh, we have a landing page for War of the Realms as well, don't we? We do. It is marvel.com slash War of the Realms. Super simple. Super simple. We try to keep it easy for e- y'all. Yeah, easy to find. Lots of explainers, lots of reading guides, and really fun content about the upcoming event. Yeah. And uh, we should make sure that this episode goes up in there because this is going to be really important, I think, yeah. really helpful for a lot of people because what we're trying to do is give people who 
maybe don't read Thor, don't know what's going on, here's the details on what War of the Realms is. We look at the history of Jason Aaron's run and how he's been building us, some key issues. We talk about the villain at the heart of all this, Malekith, lots and lots of stuff. But we try to do it in a fun way, keep away from the a lot of spoilers. There's a lot of stuff we could talk about, but we tried to balance that. So I think it came out really really well. It was a lot of fun. Will was great. He's the editor on these um, all the Thor comics, War of the Realms, sort of helping to architect it with Jason Aaron. And we're going to be doing a lot with writer Jason Aaron. He's coming by the office. Uh, we got a lot of fun stuff in the works. I won't say anything more about it right now, but let's just dive into our War of the Realms chat with Will Moss. All right, so now I am joined by Will Moss to talk about War of the Realms. How excited are you for War of the Realms? Crazy excited. Yeah. Yeah, we've been it's been coming for so long now and now it's here. And I'm just excited for everybody to get to see it themselves. It has been a long time coming. We're going to get into that, but War of the Realms is coming in April and uh I want everyone who listens to the show, who watches our videos, who checks out Marvel stuff to read these comics. This is Honest to goodness, the thing I'm most excited for that we as a company are doing in 2019. And so hopefully after you and I are finished, Will, I, I think fans will be at least somewhat more hyped. That's our yeah. job here. Yeah. Uh, first things first, what is War of the Realms? War of the Realms is this big, big Marvel Universe story involving all the heroes from the Avengers, Fantastic Four, uh, Wolverine, the whole line. It spins out of Jason's run Thor, but it's still very much a Marvel Universe event. Malekith, the king of the Dark Elves, has been out there conquering various realms that are out there, the Ten Realms. And Earth, Midgard is the last one. So the War of the Realms is about Malekith and the Dark Elves, Frost Giants, Fire Goblins, coming to Earth and the heroes having to try to fight him off because he comes with massive forces and they kind of get their butts handed to him a little bit. <laughs> Spoilers! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a war. Yeah, it is war. brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned the Ten Realms. Uh, I wanted to do something real quick sure. and let people know what those realms are if they're not familiar with sort of this mythology, yeah. uh, especially because we built upon it in our comics. So we have Alfheim, Asgard, Vanaheim, Jotunheim, Nidavellir, Svartalheim, Niflheim, Muspelheim, Midgard, and Heaven. Now, Heaven's an interesting one because in traditional Asgardian Norse mythology, that's not a, a realm. Right. What is heaven? We revealed a couple of years ago in the comics that a long time ago, heaven was one of the realms, just like all the other nine. And they were at war with Asgard. And Odin and Freya had a baby daughter that the angels seemingly killed in the course of the battle. Odin was so upset over them killing his baby girl that he uprooted the entire realm and banished it, whipped it out of the world tree and erased it from everyone's memory. So heaven for a long time was just gone from anyone's mind, anyone's ability to perceive or find. And uh, we only just recently did a story where we found out that there was heaven and, and heaven was returned and we found out the true history of it. That's when Angela got introduced into the Marvel Universe. We found out that she was Thor's sister because that baby girl turned out didn't die after all. Yeah. So The heaven that we're talking about is not like harps and clouds. Right. This heaven, these angels they're kind of like mercenaries almost. Yeah, they get by on like what you owe for doing this and doing that. And yeah, they're yeah. pretty ruthless. Ruthless. They got, they got wings, but they got big laser swords. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, they're pretty rough. Yeah, and they're going to be part of Yeah, the they're realms. part of Malekith's assault. Like they're one of his, the queen of the angels, uh, the queen of heaven is one of his generals. And they 
they mess things up yeah. real good. Uh, I want to make a note that Tucker Marcus, my co-host for Marvel's Pull List, he's working on an article digging into these different realms because at this point, they've all but Midgard have fallen to Malekith's forces, right? Yeah, for the most part. Niflheim is kind of the lone holdout. Yeah. But, but otherwise, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, a name that we've been mentioning here is Malekith. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malekith is our central antagonist for this story, right? Right. Who is Malekith? Malekith is, he's from Svartalheim. He's one of the Dark Elves. He's a character that Walter Simonson introduced back in his legendary run on Thor. And he's had been imprisoned for a very long time, ever since Simonson's run. And during Jason Aaron's run on Thor, he did a story where they freed Malekith. And Malekith immediately started taking over Svartalheim, killing the Dark Elves who opposed him, and eventually became king. So he just, once he conquered Svartalheim, then he just kept going. He wanted to have all the realms. He wanted to see them all fall. And he's been pretty successful, and now it's just Midgard left. So he's a tough guy. He's not very nice. Not very nice. Um, He doesn't have a ton of appearances. The fascinating thing is Malekith made such an impact at first Mm -hmm. because he was part of Walter Simonson's incredible landmark run. And he was so important to that, he only showed up a few sparse times before Jason brought him back. So he first appears in Thor number 344, which was from 1984, which now, 35 years ago, it's like, that's an incredible thing by Walter Simonson. That's his first appearance. Going back and looking back at those stories and the way Walter was building this story mm-hmm. is obviously very influential on what Jason has been doing. Sure, yeah. It's been really cool. Uh, Malekith, you know, he gets involved with Balder and, and all this right. other stuff. There have been a couple of small stories that he yeah. pops up in. And an important character who shows up with him through a lot of these is Curse. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to give a quick, you know, info on who Curse is? Sure, yeah. I mean, the original Curse was this massive force, just this big, awesome villain from Simonson's run again. That was during the Secret Wars 2 tie-in, I think is when Curse was first introduced. And we've got a new Curse in this story now who's similar deal of someone who's kind of imprisoned within this massive body, this force, who's cursed to be this stooge for Malekith, basically. Yeah. And it's, it's this Curse specifically has got a really kind of like messed up backstory because she's a dark elf that was an ally of Thor and she took Malekith's place in his imprisonment and he freed her only to turn her into <sighs> this new curse. What a dirtbag. Total dirtbag. <laughs> uh, honestly, our the most important for our discussion about Malekith starts in Thor, God of Thunder, number 13, which is 2013. Yeah. When, when did you start at Marvel? I uh, started five years ago. So I started I started on Thor with the God of Thunder number 18 or 19. Okay. So, so yeah, 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 we'll get into that. Yeah. But this Thor, God of Thunder, 13 by Jason Aaron and Ron Garney. Yep. Garney. He's yeah in like at the height of his powers, especially in this uh, in this story. Um, it's cool to see him do fantasy stuff. Yeah, like, people mostly think Ron Garney is kind of more a street guy, or, yeah. or but he does amazing fantasy work. It stuff. does like I I think back to his Get Mystique story with with Jason yeah. and Wolverine. Yeah, really brilliant artist. But this is the return of Malekith in mm-hmm. number thirteen, and he's pulled up from this pit in Niflheim which is the frozen land of hell. And there's a gorgeous full-page spread of Malekith in there where you finally see him. And he's covered in blood. Right. He's holding a dagger. There's snakes around him. He's holding the chains that had been imprisoning him. Mm-hmm. And the caption says, The day Malekith the Accursed climbed out of the pit of woe and the rest of the nine worlds fell in. It almost feels like Surtur hitting, forging the, the sword yeah. in Walter Simonson's run. You can feel that like 
thum, thum, right. like that sense of menace yeah. right there. Building, yeah. yeah, yeah. So good. Thor God of Thunder number 25 is the final issue of that series. Right. And that gives us the origin of Malekith that you had mentioned earlier. Yeah, we learned that Malekith was, we just saw him as a child when he was living in Spartelheim, and uh, there was a war at the time that just ruined his family, ruined his life. He was shoveling dead bodies out yeah. of like ditches and things after this war. And rather than not wanting anything to do with war, he instead just kind of wants war all the time. It's kind of the only mindset he knows. So mm-hmm. it forever just broke him. Put him on his path. It's yeah. led to this. Yeah. It's 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 a brutal story. Yeah. Jason writes some brutal he, stories. Yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> uh I think it's also in that issue in in Thor got a thunder number 25 mm-hmm. where we first get the name. I think this is the first time it is mentioned War of the Realms. War of the Realms. Yeah. It's this great scene. They're looking through the books and say, you know, it's the war to end them all, the War of the Realms. And then like everything shakes and mm-hmm. one of the daughter the granddaughter says, "Oh, grandfather does not want to or the all father does not want us <laughs> talking about this one." Right, 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 right. Just, that's 2014. Mm-hmm. That's 5 years ago, we're 5 6 years of Little bits and pieces. Yeah. It just shows the the breadth of what you guys have been working on. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, like, we should plug that there's, like, going to be a trade paperback release before War of the Realms that collects a lot of these key stories. Oh, great. That I did not know about. that. Yeah. So, you know, this trade that's coming out, I think, in March kind of is a good crash course. Terrific. Yeah. So then we have the first issue of the Mighty Thor 2015. Mm-hmm. And there's this, it's like the fifth page or so, there's this disturbing panel of a light elf right. floating in space. Uh, light elf is from uh, Alfheim, yeah. right? And the light elf is dead mm-hmm. in space, and we see carved into his torso, so begins the War of the Realms. <laughs> right. And like, okay, so there we are, yeah. officially starting it right there. Mm-hmm. And that was by our War of the Realms team. You're right. Yeah, Jason Aaron, Russell Dowderman, Matt Wilson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're just lucky that it worked out for you know Russell and Matt to be able to come back because they've been such a driving force in Jason's Thor run that it just felt the only appropriate way to do it. And it's so cool to see them take what they were doing with Thor and Mighty Thor and apply it to the whole Marvel Universe. Like that's, to me, one of the most exciting parts about this is just seeing that scope for the Thor run just enlarged to cover everything. And it yeah. still is just amazing stuff. It really is. Yeah. Uh, so we, we touched on a little bit. What really has Malekith been doing for these last few years? Like, how is he waging this war? Sure. He's two things. Like, he's been making alliances and he's been conquering. Several of these rooms he's gone to to make allies with. Like, he's got the Frost Giants from Jotunheim on his side. He actually went to, like, great lengths to get the skull of Laufey, the king of the Frost Giants who's been dead for a long time. He resurrected Laufey to kind of, like, seal their alliance and so now the frost giants are pretty much the biggest muscle that he's got but then there's been realms like alfheim the light elves realm where he's gone and just conquered with some of his allies and one of the key allies that he's got is somebody here on earth dario agar uh, the head of roxon he's been another key ally oh you're getting ahead on uh one of the points i wanted to ask because We've released a preview of War of the Realms number one, so we get this beautifully rendered scene of Malekith and his generals landing on Earth through, you know, their magic means. And so you mentioned Laufey. Yeah. You mentioned Laufey. Dario Agar. Right. Um, some of his allies include, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the Fire Goblins, who are led by Cinder. Yeah. Queen of Muspelheim. Muspelheim. She's Surtur's daughter. Yeah. The trolls led by King Ulick, mm-hmm. who is 
which is one of my favorite designed characters. He has this cool look. Yeah. He's a heavy hitter. He's got these like essentially Yuru knuckles. Right, right, that right, right. Are dangerous. Yeah. Uh, we have the Angel Warriors of Heaven, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. who are led by the Queen. Yeah. Roxon and all those forces led by Dario Agar. Did mm-hmm. we mention what Agar is? Yeah, right. He's he's not just a human, right? He's also turns into he's he's the Minotaur. He turns into a actual Minotaur. Yeah, so he's not just a guy in a nice looking suit. He's he can throw punches too. Very dangerous. Yes. Uh, we have Loki. Yeah. Seems like he's on his side. Yeah, Loki's been especially like Luffy's his father. So for Loki's own reasons, kind of get back with his dad and side with the bad guys here. Yeah. Yeah. We have the Enchantress. Enchantress. Yep. Uh, yeah, like all these are like. Top level, these are A-level dangerous evil beings that would give Thor trouble at any given time. Yeah, any one of them, right? And on now own. they're all allied. Yeah. Of course, Malekith's forces include these war witches. Yeah. Uh, what are the war witches? Uh, the war witches are these three old dark elves. They're like his advisors, basically. They don't have eyes in their sockets. They've got eyes dangling from their weird, creepy hair that are of people that they've killed and they can see through those eyes oh that got so much worse so quickly i mean yeah it's it's really messed up Oof. they're uh they kind of look weird and but then the more you look at them the weirder you realize they are <laughs> and uh yes they help out malekith in terms yeah. of figuring out yeah so watch out earth on the other side though in the the thor comics we've seen a couple of groups over time so one of them was the league of realms yeah uh will they factor into war of the realms they will. Yeah, we've seen, you know, the League of Realms is something that back during that story where Jason brought Malekith back. At the time, the realms wouldn't let Thor just go after Malekith on his own. So they all had, they created the League of Realms. So there's a representative from each of the realms to go shut Malekith down when he was trying to kill all the Dark Elves and take over Svartalheim. And we'll see a new version of that again during this story. League of Realms is just something that is key to any kind of conflict among the realms. It'll be dwarfs and uh, giants and somebody from earth too thor was representing midgard and then last time i think it was Ra solomon was representing earth and now there's gonna be a cool new character representing earth for this new league of realms that i won't spoil but it's a lot of fun yeah listeners can't see this obviously but watching you talk about this yeah. and you smile when yeah. you're like like thinking about the things and you're like oh yeah you genuinely excited about this yeah. story which yeah. is, is so good to see we also have the congress of worlds which is yes. you know something that was also very important during thor's story right 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 that's the body actually that made thor form the league of realms to go after malekith yeah they're that's kind of fallen by the wayside as the war of the realms has gained steam and all the realms have fallen odin in this story war of the realms has a lot to own up to because it's kind of been on his watch as all father that malekith has been going after all these realms despite Lots of people in the Congress of Worlds like raising the alarm, saying, you know, we've got to do this, we've got to do this. And Thor, Jane, Thor, and Thor Odinson have both been doing their part to stop it. But we'll see Odin kind of get called out on his part in letting this War of the Realms happen. Mm -hmm. I want to get more into sort of the Asgardians part of it, but you had mentioned that, you know, this is going to really touch upon the Marvel Universe, all the Marvel heroes. Are there specific Marvel heroes we should keep an eye on? for War of the Realms. Yeah. Uh, first, I guess I'll go with Daredevil. He's somebody that has a, a really cool new role in this that he gains the abilities of, of Heimdall. We're calling him like the god without fear. He That's real cool. Yeah. He has like this great like star effect on his outfit and he can see and hear everything that's happening in all the realms. So he becomes kind of the 
point person for retaking planet Earth back from Malekith. Like he's up on Asgard, like at the Rainbow Bridge. It's cool. And he's got a whole journey that Jason's going to get into in a separate, like a tie-in story that's going to be pretty intense. Captain America, too, has a pretty big role in this. He steps up, as he always does. Spider-Man is a, a character that's always fun to see, like when he's, you know, fish out of water kind of story. <laughs> Fantastic Four have a great role. Iron Man and Shuri have a little fun uh, team-up in this story that is kind of like war necessitates fun pairings like that. So Blade, like Venom, plays actually a really key role in this story. I won't, I won't spoil necessarily. Yeah. He's a big player. Punisher has a, a, a good <laughs> chunk of real estate in this story too. It's it's so it's everybody from as street as Punisher all the way up to Daredevil with his you know cosmic sight up on the Rainbow Bridge. So that's cool. real cool. Yeah, yeah. We will obviously talk more about all these characters and some more uh, as we get closer to. It. We're trying not to spoil too much right. at this point because we're still a little early, but that gives you a couple of hints. Uh, you mentioned the Rainbow Bridge, the Bifrost. There's been some trouble with it, but we also have learned recently in the comics that Malekith's forces have something called the Black Bifrost. Right, right. So, yeah, the Rainbow Bridge, like, that's how they get from realm to realm. That's traditionally how they have done that. They take it from Asgard to anywhere they need to go. But that was destroyed back in the death of the mighty Thor. Mangog shattered it. So that was a key blow to Thor and the good guys, basically, because it prevented Thor from trying to stop Malekith any further. Like, there was just nothing they could do now but just kind of wait because they couldn't get to the other realms. And Malekith is able to get around these other realms because he's got a mirror, a dark version of this. It's called the Black Bifrost. And so that's something that the heroes quickly realize that they've got to try to do something about because Malekith is just, he can go anywhere he needs to go yeah. and they're stuck. So Yeah. What is Thor's status quo at the start of all this? Yeah, so Thor regained the mantle of Thor after the death of the mighty Thor story. <laughs> a lot of Thor in that sentence there. And he doesn't have Mjolnir anymore, but he's got replacement hammers in the meantime. And he's, he's fully back to being Thor. And he's living in a, a boat, actually, with his dog and his goat. Like I mentioned, he's trying to do what he can to stop Malekith. But with the Rainbow Bridge being shattered, he's severely limited. The first story that from the recently relaunched series saw Loki pull him into Niflheim, where they had to help prevent the conquest of Hell. Like one of Malekith's allies, the Queen of Cinders from Muspelheim, she was coming to take over Niflheim. And that was one thing Thor was able to push back on by teaming up with, like, Hell and Balder. It's a great big story. Uh, that's why, actually, Niflheim's kind of the one realm that's still on its own. So Thor, Thor is eager to stop this war. That's where he is at the beginning of this. Like, that's kind of all he's thinking about. And he's doing everything he can, but he's limited. Yeah, very limited. Yeah. Jane Foster, she'll be a part of all this, I imagine. Yeah, 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 yeah for she's, sure. She's a... Just been such an important part of Jason's run, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's two cool things about, well, there's three cool things really about <laughs> Jane in the story, but, and I don't want to spoil any of them, but she gets a lot of cool moments in this for sure. Yeah. You mentioned Odin and some of the things he's going through, but, you know, Odin's got family. We see, I'm sure Freya plays a role, and Cole Borson, yeah. you know, Odin's brother, probably is going to get involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cole has a, a really cool, like, and Jason's going to be exploring that actually in one of the Thor tie in issues for this uh, series. And Freya is really one of the main characters of War of the Realms in general. Like, I was already a Freya fan just in general, but like, this story makes you just totally bow down to the All Mother. She's awesome in this story, and she does a ton of action, and she has a cool journey, too, through this. Yeah. We mentioned Loki. I'm sure he's going to, 
as he is, yes. he's Loki. He'll play a, a part in all of this. Yes, yes, he will. As will Angela, you know, Thor's sister. Right. She's uh, she's with the Asgardians of the Galaxy now, and they've got they're going to be hitting as many of the different fronts of this battle as, as we can. We'll see some cool things there with Angela. I have a request and a question. Will Sir Ivory Honeyshot play a role in War of the Realms? Yes. Yes. We'll see him. Yes. For those who don't know, Sir Ivory Honeyshot, he was part of the League of Realms. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a light elf. Mm-hmm. He's got cool weapons. Right. He's got sass. He's got style. Yeah. He's just a cool character and a great name. Yeah. He's, he, he's somebody, like I said, like there's so many fun pairings in the story. There's a fun pairing with him and another Marvel character that I won't spoil, but it's it's the last pairing you'd think. It's really cool. Terrific. All right. So we've, we've gone through a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, we don't want to spoil too much more uh we still have gosh two months until this thing fully kicks off in war of the realms number one in april but for those of you who are asking hey i want to read everything that has come before i tried to do a little bit of organizing (laughs) will you can tell me if i'm wrong we've got thor god of thunder there was 25 issues there loki agent of asgard that series ran 17 ish issues i think 17 18 issues Uh, this all started to come together with Original Sin, which was another mm-hmm. event that Jason wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really important because that brought in the Tenth Realm of yeah. Heaven. There's the Thor series that began in 2014 that followed Original Sin, but there's also a Thor's limited mm-hmm. series, which does even you know progress the story yeah. that we're following. Right, right. Then coming out of Secret Wars, we had the Mighty Thor, but in there we also had the Unworthy Thor. Right. Telling the story of of the Odinson sort of figuring out how to get his groove back mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. some ways. There's a great Generations story. Generations yeah, was this, one-shots. Yeah, we right. did these one-shots where the current version of a character mm-hmm. met a previous version. And Generations, every single one of those was really well done. Mm-hmm. And so there's a great one for the Thors. But Mighty Thor turns into... Continues Mighty Thor, but changes numbering when it hits 700. Mm -hmm. That's a big monumental storyline in there, seeing the end of Jane Foster as Thor, which there's also a one-shot called At the Gates of Valhalla, which you can read. Right around here, we also have the Marvel Legacy one-shot that Jason wrote. And then, of course, that leads us to now, not only the current Thor series, but Mm -hmm. also I would say Avengers. Yeah. It's great to check out. For sure, yeah. Did I do okay? Yeah, pretty good. pretty much cover everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I tried to put as many pieces in place as I could. Yeah. If you're listening, you're like, that's a lot. <laughs> it is. We've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. You don't have to read any of that to jump into War of the Realms, but it opens up so much. Yeah. And it's some of my favorite comics that we've produced in the last decade. So mm-hmm. I highly suggest you read them. All right. That seems about it. Okay. Good? Yeah. Right on. All right. Thank you, Will. Yeah. Thank you. All right, big thanks to editor Will Moss for taking the time. Uh, Hopefully we didn't cause too many books to be late because he was sitting here chitting and chatting with me. Uh, But uh, yeah, War of the Realms, again, that URL is marvel.com slash War of the Realms. You get all the info you need. From there, we are going to our interview this week, and it is with Patty Murin, who stars as Anna in the Broadway production of Frozen. I got to see Frozen. It was delightful. I, I love Broadway. Mm-hmm. I love going to see shows. This was terrific. I I won't say I was the only dude there. There were plenty <laughs> others, but it was just so cool to see little kids, uh, little girls dressed up, 
people who are going to the theater for the first time to experience this. And then and so if this opens that door for them, I'm so excited. Yeah, I have not been to a Broadway show since 1998. Oh, it's dreadful. I know. And one of my favorite movies as a child, Newsies, was made into a Broadway musical. And I completely missed that boat. But I did watch it on Netflix. Well, Somewhat counts. It somewhat counts, but you really can't beat being there in the theater, being completely engrossed and part of an experience when you go to the theater. And it's a shared experience. Yeah. Give yourself a a chance if you can. Go see some live theater, live musical theater. And uh, now listen to our chat with Patty Murin. Hi, Patty. Welcome to This Week in Marvel. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, we're so <laughs> delighted. When someone, they were like, hey, would you like one of the stars of Frozen Cry? I was like, yes, please. <laughs> and we're... I reacted the same way when they were like, do you want to go on to the Marvel offices? And do... I was like, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. that's the secret thing here. We're super like musical geeks. Everybody here just loves, 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 loves Broadway. But before we even get into that, okay. I want to ask you so what we always do on mm-hmm. This Week in Marvel. What is your Marvel origin story? How did you... First get connected to the Marvel Universe, be it a comic, a movie, a cartoon, bedsheets, pajamas, toys, whatever. I was kind of a late in life, I think, comic book, you know, and it was really because of the movies. Oh, an Iron Man came out. I, I just loved it. Loved it so much. So then I was like, oh, I, I really like superhero movies. Like I really just, there's something about them that I just love. And my husband, Colin Donald, he kind of schooled me in like, what's Marvel? What's, you know what I mean? Because he knew so much, so much about it. So it was, he really sort of like encouraged that in me. And then as time went on and all the the Avengers movies came out, all the different ones. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this, I, I'm a huge like crossover fan. Like I love crossover. There's nothing better to me than a crossover. And Avengers is literally the ultimate crossover in the whole wide world. So (laughs) before Infinity War came out last year, we watched all of them, all of them, even the original Hulk in order of like time, not which is honestly, it's just putting Captain America first. And then the rest of them kind of time out in terms of like the, the actual sequence of events. We watched every single movie before we went to see Infinity War. That's so fun, though. Yeah, it was. It was such a blast. It was such a blast. And I actually, I actually, we went to see Infinity War on the day that the Tony nominations came out because I was like, let's go see it on that day because no matter what happens, it's always going to be Infinity War day. It's a good thing we did because I did not get nominated for a Tony. <laughs> so we literally were like there at like eleven thirty, just like eating popcorn. And I was like. But like I can't hate this day because this movie I just it was literally the perfect the perfect way to to kind of see the movie and handle that situation and so yeah that's amazing yeah that's like a very level way to deal with yeah. the world yep and also uh, you know sort of like throughout the last year uh, when dealing with like I'm very open about my diagnosed depression and anxiety and so when I have like anxiety attacks putting on any of the Marvel movies it's just sort of something to zone into it's colorful there's enough happening. It's just something about it would calm me down or put me in like a better kind of spot. Yeah. Yeah. When you can find something that helps you yeah. center, yep. like you just got to grab on. Yep. It. And for me, it's, you know, it's any one of any one of those, that whole set of movies. It's amazing. And you yeah. got a good suite. There's like 20 plus movies. So yeah. it's like you can always find something. There's options. Yeah. Yep. Really nice. <laughs> so I saw Frozen on Friday. We're okay. recording this yes, Monday. Yes, yes, yes. That's right. And it was incredible. Thank uh, you. I, I swear to you, no joke, no lie. I said to my wife as we were leaving, we had gotten out. She had gone back in to buy the poster. Yep. Because uh, she buys posters every time we go to a show. So we have a giant stack of Amazing. Posters. And so she comes back out. And I, I said to her, I was like, I loved all the singing and everything, but... 
Patty, who plays Anna, was so funny. <laughs> and I'm, I, I swear to you, I was like, she's so funny. I will see her in everything. So like, you know, there, there are certain actors, actresses, you're just like, you'll follow them yeah. from show to show. Yep. So I'm telling you now, Aww. in person, I will follow you from show to show. But it was really, really great. One of the things that I found really interesting, having gone to so many shows over my life, was there was a note in the playbill saying, don't take photos, mm-hmm. and then don't sing along during the production. <laughs> like, it took me some, I was like, of course. Right. Like, I look around, there's little girls dressed up, mm-hmm. there's kids mm-hmm. everywhere. They're like, during the whole show, the probably 20-year-old woman next to me was bawling, oh, like so yeah. happy, but in tears. It yep. was great. But have y'all had many folks sing along? Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. It, it's kind of a difficult thing. I think any show that people bring their kids to is kind of tricky to figure out because, you know, kids are kids. It's it's amazing because it's so many of the kids' first Broadway shows. It's so many of the adults first Broadway shows that are bringing their kids. So it's truly incredible, like, to be a part. Like, I remember my first Broadway show. It was Cats, you know? Cliche, but true. So that's really cool. But at the same token, you know, it's it's kind of a bit of a struggle to be like, okay, well, what can we do? And one of the things was like, don't sing along. But honestly, when I start Love's an Open Door, I'm as far downstage as you can get. And for probably like four months, I was like, oh, I, they really like bump up my sound there. And then I was like, oh, no, that's just like 17 <laughs> people singing along with me, like under their breath. I honestly, it's the music is so beloved. And so it's like, that's what happens. Yeah. You brought up what I was going to ask next was this has to be so many people's first Broadway experience, which has got to be so fun for you, the cast and the crew. Yeah, it really is. And like I said, it's a lot of children, but it's also a lot of a lot of adults, whether they're bringing their kids or whether they just loved the movie and they're coming and people travel from all over the place. People I heard have so like, many accents. Yes. It was great. Yeah. Yep. Someone the other day was like, I came from Australia just to see this on Broadway. So cool. Yeah. So it's really fantastic. And it really, it's, again, it's like, I just remember going to see Cats and being like, I remember like Rum Tum Tugger. Like, you know, and it's like, that's what I'll always remember. And yeah. so these people are going to take that away. And hopefully it starts a, a relationship with Broadway that they never knew they wanted and never knew that they needed and yeah. keep coming back and seeing other shows. And so it, it's uh, it's kind of surreal. I don't know if I'll actually grasp it until probably later in life when someone's like, yeah, I saw you in my first Broadway show. And I'm like 60 and they're like 25. And I'm like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I grew up in New York. So we got the commercials for Cats yes. all the time on like WPIX, Channel yep. 11. But I didn't go to bro- we didn't go to shows when I was younger. We didn't have any money. My mom worked mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. So I started going a lot more with my wife over the last bunch of years, and so we finally got to see Cats. I'd never seen yes. it yeah. until like three or four years ago. Yeah. So yeah. I so I saw the revival because I was like I have to see it. You know, I was six when I saw the original Cats, and I saw it again when I was eleven. But um, I brought my friend Andrew, and you know the lights went down, and like you know the cat eyes come up, and I in the first like strains of music, and, and I started I got emotional because I was like, oh my gosh, this is like what started it for me. And and this is what I'm doing now. And like, I'm doing this. And two minutes into the show, I was like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> so confused. It's bonkers, Not but it's confu- so great. Exactly. And my friend Andrew had never seen it, didn't know anything about it. He yeah. leans over to me and he goes, so it's like a cat talent show. And I was like, uh, yeah, pretty much. Yep. Yeah. That's it. But oh gosh, it was such a wonderful experience yeah. to revisit it and be like, wow, we were really weird in the 80s. <laughs> 
but like just watching these people like move like that on stage and like it blew my mind yeah. even if i still have no idea what a jellicle cat is because they describe w- it they're like oh well a jellicle cat's a jellicle cat and i'm like that literally mm-hmm. is not a thing you're not helping here <laughs> doesn't help yeah uh so much fun now i have a question that bridges the marvel and yes. the, um the musicals if you were to suggest a musical to a marvel superhero fan who has never seen Ooh. a musical before and oh. let's not count Frozen. Frozen was great. Okay. But there's superpowers. I was like and Frozen. <laughs> I was like, there's, there's superpowers. Yep. And there's great mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. And there's heroics and all wonderful relationships. Huh. What would you suggest? I would suggest. Oh my goodness! I'm trying to think desperately. What is? I mean, honestly, Wicked comes to mind because I think that's sort of the same. Like, it's a classic fandom. It's like a world that they're familiar with you know but to see it set in a different way and from a different point of view in musical form probably that it's kind of the same you know the same deal is there's there's superpowers involved and there's spectacle but there's also sort of like identity crisis and figuring out who you are and so yeah wicked i love it yeah it's great okay so in frozen anna's sister elsa has these ice powers which are great terrific and while anna doesn't have traditional superpowers per se I found her to be superhumanly energetic and optimistic and, and just motivated and, and so positive. Yeah. But if Anna, not mm-hmm. you, if Anna did have a power, what do you think it would be? Oh, my goodness. She'd probably make us like a snap decision. And like if someone was like, you're going to have one superpower. What do you want? She'd probably be like, I want all the chocolate in the world. I want to be able to make chocolate whenever like anything I touch turns to chocolate. And then it would completely backfire on her. And then we have frozen three. Like I feel like it's just frozen three <laughs> chocolate. Like she probably wouldn't think it through. I'm going to go on record and say that that's a terrific power. I've never yeah. heard before. Yeah. I want that. I mean, I would like it because yeah. she she wouldn't want to be invisible. She'd probably you know what she'd want. She I think she would choose to fly. Because she would want to be able to go and see and travel and explore and see everything that she never got to for the first 18 years of her life. And she'd want to do it real fast. Yeah. So, yeah, flying. I think that that would be it. I love it. It's a great or answer. talk to animals. Do oh. you like how I'm just like, wait, no, this one. Yeah. Wait, this one. <laughs> that is one of my, like, yeah. that is, I would love to be yeah. able to talk to animals. I have four cats at home and I'm like, oh, what do you want right what now? What are you thinking? Yeah. I know. I'm like, what's happening? I have two dogs and I'm like, what's happening in your head? Yeah. <laughs> just talk to me. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so similar question. Mm-hmm. What power would you have? Well, now I'm kind of into the talk to animals thing. I think I've just convinced myself. Yeah. It's a great one. But you know what? I, I probably have to make the like logical life decision and the responsible decision and say I would like to teleport because I just nothing frustrates me more than like traveling and traveling to the airport and then getting on the plane and then getting off the plane and then getting from it's yeah. So teleportation. That would be so great. That would be so lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, are you a big theme park person? Yes. Walt Disney World or Disneyland? Oh, okay. I would have said World for a long time until I went to Land as an adult because I realized I was like, oh, this is like the quaint, truly you can see like the spirit of Disney because it's just smaller and it's more sort of like classic, whereas Disney World is a little bit more of, I feel like it's a little bit more of like an amusement park. But I would still probably say Disney World. Yeah. Disney World, yeah. I know. I have to, I have to, I haven't been in, oh my gosh, probably like 15 years. So I feel like this is the time to go back. Yeah. And, and you're like, I'm an actual Disney princess, so I should probably go to my home. You get pretty cool treatment, <laughs> I'm sure, when you go there. Are you hyped? Do you know that there's a bunch of superhero and Marvel attractions coming to the variety of Disney parks? Yeah. There, we've got like what? Avengers-y stuff happening and Spider-Man-y stuff happening. <sighs> I just wanted that reaction. That face was, yeah, it's going to be great, Uh, especially because you like the crossovers, the interconnectedness of it all. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Yeah. And the teams are doing what they're doing now. I like just looking at Frozen, right? Yeah. What is the name of the the reindeer? Oh, Sven. Sven. When Sven, I I looked at my wife, I was like, what's happening? I know. 
and then uh, the Olaf and the puppeting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yep. the puppeteering was so good. I was yeah. so excited. It's kind of, it's like the coolest part of our show, I actually think, is the fact that all of the magic is a great mix of modern technology, but also old school stagecraft. Yeah. It's like, and, and it's like, you know, we have all the projections and we have the lighting to help with everything. But like when it comes down to it, this is all, it's all human. It's manual. Oh, it makes me so happy. It's just people working really hard and people being really smart. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of working hard, working smart, you went to the Puppy Bowl. I did. I went to the Puppy Bowl. <laughs> Please tell me whatever you can because I've been watching the Puppy Bowl for years, as yes. many of us have, yeah. and it is always the coolest. There's a lot of puppies there. A lot of puppies. It's just all these rescues because they're all rescues, which is you got to get puppies. And like the advocacy for the rescue is truly another reason that I, I really am yeah. so, so behind it. I, I was a handler for my friend Lori, who has a Florida little dog rescue. So not only does she have puppies, but they're little dogs. So they're little teeny little puppies. Yes, little ones. And the, the starting lineup just came out this week. She has two in the starting lineup. One is a corgi named Clara that I am absolutely obsessed with and another one is uh, a Sharpay named Lola who is I'm also obsessed with but I got so I got to spend the day with Clara and Lola and then another puppy um, named <laughs> Patty <laughs> she named a puppy after me <laughs> so I basically Patty was I don't know two and a half pounds two and a half oh pounds gosh. yep it's a little tiny thing and I spent the entire day just like snuggling this tiny 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 puppy it's unreal. It's oh. unreal. And it's also the kind of thing where you're like, oh, my gosh, I don't have to ask, like, can I pet your dog? It's like, no, you just pet everyone's dog. Like, everyone pets everyone. You, and it's, you're surrounded by the like-minded, like, crazy dog people. And so it was It was just, it was fantastic. Yeah. I hope whomever adopts Patty dresses her in a little Anna costume. Oh, my goodness. Because that needs to happen. She's, like, five and a half pounds now. Oh, and she, all she wants to do is just be with her person Aww. like she's like a purse dog yeah and i was like i was like colin can we maybe can we get and he's like no it's like but i don't i could just i'll just hold her i'll just put her in like a baby bjorn in the front and while i walk the other two i don't think it's gonna happen keep trying <laughs> i'm hopeful for you i mean she's small enough that i could probably bring her home and he wouldn't even notice for the month <laughs> just put her in different things and right? just like turned around yeah, just, move her yep uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> I don't among the stuffed animals. <laughs> Patty, thanks for being here on This Week in Marvel. Yay. Okay. Thank you. Of course, thank you. All right, big thanks to Patty. Uh, she's wonderful. She's inspiring and magical and bubbly and excited and fantastic. Uh, all right. Our question of the week ties into our big War of the Realms chat. And so, you know, during the conversation with Will, we talked about all the different realms and you know there's 10 of them and if you could live in any of the 10 realms which would it be let's not count midgard since you're already here i think some of you might be like i like earth which is great earth is fine there's nine others but you've got alfheim asgard vanaheim jotunheim nidavellir svartalheim niflheim muspelheim and heaven come on we got to pick one of them i think if i had the choice I would go with Vanaheim because I like the sort of the Vanir are similar to the Asgardians, but they're not so haughty. You know, they're yeah. sort of a little more rough and tumble. Like Asgardians are ready for a fight, but they're also like, look at our golden apples. We're immortal. And then the Vanaheim folks are just like, yeah, whatever. Here's a mace to the face, you nerd. Uh, what about you, Jamie? Um... I can't pronounce any of them except for heaven, so I'm going to go with heaven for now. Yeah, heaven means you're an angel, and then you're a mercenary, and you're 
really not a good person. That's okay. I'll be the good one. There you go. The rebel. Like Angela. Uh, With that in mind, you guys can tweet your answers for which of the 10 realms you would choose to be a part of using hashtag This Week in Marvel. You can also email your answer to twimpodcast at marvel.com. Send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. With all that in mind, it's time for the community section of the show. Hello, community. I'm starting off with this first one from Chadwick, who says Spitfire, who was my girl last week, was also a playable character in Lego Marvel's Avengers. Yes, indeed. Per our chat about the invaders, which I really loved. Thank you, Chadwick. Yeah, real great. Chadwick's the best. Lex Pendragon says, how come nobody seems to talk about how Firestar totally stole Spitfire's costume? What? Did they ever meet? I mean, it's not the same. It's similar. I'm trying to think of the timing Spitfire was like 75, 76. Firestar was a cartoon first. She was on the cartoon. Uh, Spider-Man is Amazing Friends debuted in 1981, the year of my birth. Yes, as did you, made your debut in 1981. Yeah. Uh, so it was a good year. We'll get to that, I'm sure, in this week in Marvel history at some point <laughs> this year. But I think it's a similar enough costume, but not totally stole. Uh, Lex, you can, you can feel free to debate me on that one. Send me some pictures about how close you think they really are and simon williams says in regards to the question of the week if i could be any one of the invaders i'd be captain america he also says agent m you said you'd be namor in the invaders would you be sexy namor or the super violent namor we've seen in avengers lately simon i tweeted this answer to you but i'm gonna repeat it here they are one and the same (laughs) namor is always sexy namor is always angry namor is always powerful he is namor the king of the deep imperious rex he sounds rude He's one rude dude with a cool dude. I guess if that's your type. Which yeah. usually have ends you up, seen him? I have seen him, yeah. but usually ends oh, up being man. exactly my type. Hachimachi. Hachimachi. All right. We're gonna wrap up with Alan John Wilkinson, who says, Why do Spidey suits not have pockets? Simple upgrade, surely. I've seen this meme so many times. And yes, this was uh riffing off of there's an image that Alan pulled from Friendly Neighborhood yes. Spider Man. By Juan Cabal and Tom Taylor. It's really funny. Yes. You think of Deadpool. He's got pouches. And everybody made fun of pouches. But pouches are so crucial. Pockets on Spider-Man's costume I think would be terrific. I, think I wholly be. endorse them. But I think it's funny that he doesn't have them. I think that being a part of the stories makes it even better. He could also make his own bag, which he has before. He like webs up a little bag and then he can carry stuff in it as he needs to. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, (laughs) Spider-Man's the best. I love Spider-Man so much. (laughs) Great questions this week. You guys crushed it. Questions and answers and all kinds of good stuff. Reminder, you can be a part of the show by sending your questions and comments with hashtag This Week at Marvel. You can email them to twinpodcast at marvel.com. And uh, yeah, roll on. We've got all kinds of fun stuff. Working on really great episodes coming up for you guys, uh, which we got to get back to right now. So I'm Ryan. And I'm Jamie. This is Marvel. Your universe. Thank you.